Two Kids and a Career is a production of Jill Divine Media. Let's not overlook the fact that if you're the birthing parent, there's a ton of hormonal fluctuation happening as well. Mm-hmm. And there's the identity upheaval you've experienced and you're missing your child and you know you're unsure of you know what you thought you wanted if that's really what you wanted. So anything that is going to happen at work it can feel 10 times more impactful than it would have before you left because of what you've just been through. Evoke Creative is a proud sponsor of Two Kids and a Career. They help small business owners like me brand with purpose and market with intent. The ladies at Evoke Creative will help make your digital presence known. Learn more at evokecco.com. That's evokecco.com. Hi there, and welcome to Two Kids in a Career. I'm Jill Devine. As an entrepreneur, wife, and mama, the daily grind of trying to build a business while taking care of kids and trying to maintain a healthy connection with my hubby, it's a lot. With this podcast, you're going to hear candid conversations with other moms, parenting experts who can share their knowledge and insight, or you'll just hear me rambling to get it all out. There's going to be tears, there's going to be laughter, but most Most importantly, there will be support. Take a listen and connect with me so we can grow and learn from one another. This is Two Kids and a Career. Welcome to episode 98 of the podcast. And I can't believe we're in episode 98 and we haven't really kind of talked about uh, parental leave on a serious matter, meaning with experts and with data and with all that good stuff. We've talked a little bit about it in different episodes and even, you know, the reason why this podcast came to fruition, which is because of something that happened on my maternity leave. But I would love to dive into it with some experts. So I have a couple of experts joining me right now. Sue and Amy, first of all, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks so much, Jill. I am going to, I guess, start with the both of you and how you know each other, what your role is in your career, and then we're going to get into the nitty gritty about uh, what we need to know for parental leave, and then we'll just keep asking the questions and going through the the different opportunities and go from there. So Amy, would you like to take it away first? So yeah, I'm uh, Dr. Amy Beacom. I am the founder and CEO of the Center for Parental Leave Leadership. And I began this work 15 years ago when I had my first child, my son. Um, And I was living in New York and working on my doctorate and working as a consultant and became a mother and had a really unexpected experience around that and realized that our country was doing nothing around parental leave. (laughs) Um, And I made it my mission to change that and create a field of parental leave support that includes policy and practice and um, perinatal mental health considerations and coaching and all, all sorts of things. So we are the only consultancy in the country to focus exclusively on parental leave. We do everything from, from some of those things I just mentioned. Um, and we, Sue and I just wrote a book. So that's, (laughs) that's been our latest, which is 
the first book to exist around parental leave in an evidence-based framework to navigate that. Um, wow. Yeah, wow. it's pretty ridiculous that that is true, <laughs> right? It's right. 2021, and it's the first book that talks everyone through the the practical, the psychological, the social, you know, all of the pieces that you really need to consider during this time frame. Um, and I, I'll, I'll let Sue tell you how how we met and how um, how long we've known each other and that part of the story. Yeah. So Amy and I met when both of our oldest kids were in first grade and we were class parents together. Uh, and Amy found out that I was a writer and was like, hey, I need a writer right now. Amy's a wonderful writer as well, but she was doing a lot of other things. So I came on board to help write some content for the Center for Parental Leave Leadership. And I got really, really invested in the work that Amy was doing. And I thought she was absolutely brilliant because her approach was not, hey, let's tell parents that this is all on them to fix and they should be able to handle it. Her approach was, hey, we all spend much of our waking lives at work and the experience and the support that we have at work has a huge impact on us, including during our parental leave transition and when we become parents. So we're going to actually go into employers and show them how to have a great culture around parental leave and the right way to support um, parents and fantastic employees through this time. And I was like, oh, sign me up. This is completely brilliant. Um, and I had had you know, a similar but different rocky experience in my first pregnancy and my first parental leave. Everybody does to one extent or another, right? Even when everything goes right, it's a challenging time. And many, many people are thrown curveballs during this process. So it's really important that our workplaces are realistic, that we're all people and we have rocky transitions. And the more support we get, the more easily um, and beautifully we'll be able to emerge from the other side. All right. So I'm going to start asking some questions. And I don't know if some of this is part of the book or not part of the book, but we'll make sure that we figure all these different things out and get the resource out to the listeners so they know where to go. But I'm going to ask these questions based on my experience as a mom to two. Mm -hmm. I feel like when you were both talking, I was like, wait a minute. So they're Again, this is the first book with all of this information. I, I can't believe it. But the only help or the only advice or the only thing to know with when it comes to rules are with your OB and with your HR person at your work. Wouldn't you say that that's pretty much where people get their info on what they are going to do? I'm just going to say maternity leave for me. Uh, yes. And I'd add in nowadays social media. Oh, oh, that's a, that, okay. <laughs> that's a whole nother thing right there. Okay. So if I'm understanding a little bit, you two realized that, understood that, lived it. And then that's why you are wanting to create a change because I, like you said, everybody has a different experience, but there's often a rocky piece to that experience. Yeah, it, 
Yes. The short answer is yes. Would you like a little longer? The long yes, I would. Because I, I, would, I would like to tell yeah. you about both of my situations, but I want to hear. Yes, please yes. go elaborate on your answer. Because yeah. <laughs> I, of course, am dying to know about your experiences. That's my favorite thing to hear about people's parental leave experiences. Um, for me, what happened was I was doing all that work that I mentioned, and I was working on my dissertation. And then I had my child and I had an unexpected cesarean, unwanted cesarean. I had postpartum depression and anxiety. I had a whole host of issues that at the time could not even be talked about um, as there was nobody to talk about it. Back 15 years ago, parental leave didn't exist. It was maternity leave. And moms, birthing moms, were the only people who were considered. And the only way they were considered was as a time away, right? You left, you went and you did something, you had a baby, and then you came back to work and you're supposed to fit right back in, no question, <laughs> right? Like that was, and I, <laughs> and I had set myself up really poorly, even though I was an expert in women's leadership, work family issues. That's I was getting my doctorate in organizational psychology focused on those areas and had been working in those fields for 10 years already. And, um, and so I really thought, oh, I know what I'm doing. And then boom, I was just knocked off my rocker by it. So I I just had this moment then of feeling, I, literally sitting there crying, thinking, "How? what can I do so no woman ever feels the way that I do right now? And and I, I can't say that I decided because it wasn't that. It was really this moment of clarity where I had a midnight awareness that I needed to change the focus of my dissertation to instead, um, which had been on women's leadership, to instead create a new field of coaching, of executive coaching, which is where my background was in, to focus on the parental leave timeframe and that transition so that we could support at the time working mothers, but now anyone, however they identify, um, to make that transition from what we call now worker to parent to working parent and all of that that happens during that time frame. And since I'm a little hazy on this, isn't it typically eight weeks paid? Nope. I love you said that because it just is such a perfect example of our entire country. So we are the only country in the entire world, except for four tiny, tiny, small island nations that do not have any paid leave in this country. So we are the only nation that doesn't have paid leave. Um, And so there are nine states plus D.C. that do. Those range in time from six to 12 weeks, um, sometimes more if you're adding in short-term disability. But we have nothing. And um, some companies have something. But if you're looking for stats, uh, roughly 20% of people in the U.S. have access to even one day of paid leave. And then FMLA is a set, which is the Family Medical Leave Act, people often confuse with paid parental leave. Yes. Parental leave. And what FMLA is, is unpaid job protection for 12 weeks, but it only covers roughly 50% of the population in the U.S. Uh, Okay. 
All right. <laughs> I I do remember talking to someone else about this in a little bit about just how America it, we are our paid leave is just dumb in comparison to some others and in the amount of time and then how there are other countries where these women, um, I, I can't even remember the country, but six months is Mm -hmm. the average. Mm -hmm. Many countries. Oh my gosh. Okay. So (laughs) let me start by saying that when, and I, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean. And I probably was this person too, before kids, it is not a vacation. When right. you have maternity leave, it is so difficult and it's so important as well to be with your child and bond. So I, I just want to say that if you don't have a child or you don't have any plans on having any children, please do not think that maternity leave or parental leave, it is not a vacation. <laughs> so- I bring this up because with my first daughter, like you, I had to have an emergency C-section. So the way, and, and it wasn't anything I was prepared for. So I, I believe I knew that I was going to be paid 12 weeks for sure, or, you know, that was what I was getting. And then there was an additional two weeks added on because of the C-section, Long story short, I don't really know how, but it was about four months that I ended up before having to return to work, Mm -hmm. about three and a half, four months. Well, when I got pregnant with my second child, the company that I had worked for, they were bought out. So somebody else came in. Mm -hmm. So I already knew with my second child that we were going to plan on doing a C-section. That was just part of the deal. And when I presented all of this information to my HR department, it was different and different as in I was going back probably at the three-month mark, which don't get me wrong, anytime paid away to be with my child is great, but I don't think people understood that I went from thinking I was going to have these extra weeks, which were so important to me mm-hmm. to not. Mm-hmm. And then I was made to feel guilty for being kind of like you're selfish for wanting that extra time. And I remember just trying to to wrap my head around it all, like how confusing I know it's two separate companies, but you are, you're like in the same office, having the same discussion about virtually kind of like the same thing. And it's drastically different. Four weeks makes a huge difference. Mm -hmm. And I cried and I just, it was like, I, again, I am grateful that I was able to have time away and get paid. And I know women have to return sometimes after six weeks because they don't have that option. Regardless, whether it's six weeks or 12 weeks, it's hard to return to work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exclamation point, exclamation point. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and I do want to just clarify a couple of things you said there, because I think it's important for your listeners to know 
25% of people in the United States are forced to go back to work within two weeks of giving birth. <gasps> two weeks. Yes. Two 25%. weeks. Yes, because there's no paid leave and they financially can't and there's no job protection. 50% of the people will lose their jobs. They're not protected for the, from that. So we... We have some real structural policy level problems that we're working to solve. And um, I'm just going to take this moment to put a plug in for all of your listeners who may think that paid leave is an unreasonable thing. Um, there's We're not just talking about paid leave as a policy at the policy level for parental leave. We're talking about it for family leave, which means time to care for yourself. Say you have cancer, you need to go in for treatments or or a loved one. So I just really encourage every single one of your listeners to go to paidleaveforall.org and there is, or momsrising.org. And there's forms on both of those um, sites that you can send a, a letter to your senators, your congresspeople saying, yes, we, we want this, please back this. Don't, don't be an idiot. <laughs> yeah, no um, kidding. And it also takes... Takes the pressure off of businesses as well, because what it does is it creates a program similar to Medicare, where everyone is paying into that as a very small portion of their paycheck. I think it's between two to four dollars, depending um, a month. And so the employee and the employer is paying in. And then if they need to use it, they tap into that. So it's not something where the employer is um, it, the onus is on the employer. It's a systemic solution. And we already have that working in nine states plus D.C. It's just all the other ones <laughs> that are not getting it. Well, and you mentioned politics, and that's going to always be an issue. I, I can probably envision maybe somebody listening right now going, no, I disagree with all of this. Mm -hmm. And my question, and maybe one of you can help me understand what would the disagreement be because it is coming out of taxpayers money the disagreement when it comes well first of all like i said any um voters in the swing states and have complete 75 percent bipartisan support right so the the people know that this is needed but when it becomes a political issue what it gets lumped in with is socialism so that this is socialism, that we're taking care of our, our people. Um, and so that's how it gets politicized. I can't even go there. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's really important for American listeners to realize that no other industrialized nation thinks this is okay in any way, shape or form. Or that it's socialism. <laughs> or that it's socialism. Yeah, it's, it is the way things are done pretty much everywhere else. Um, and they think it's barbaric the way that we do it. I'm going to hit pause real fast on the conversation to talk to you about one of the sponsors of the podcast, Evoke Creative. I absolutely love this brand new thing that they have on their website, evokecco.com. It's called Creative Swag. It's a shop where they are supporting small towns, local businesses, and creative work. You should head to evokecco.com and take a look. And that's what they're all about at Evoke. They love supporting small businesses. They love being there 
for small business owners to help develop their website, to help develop their social media, to help come up with a digital marketing plan. And I know from firsthand experience, they're amazing at it because they have helped me. Check out my website, jilldevine.com. They did that. You can also check out my social media accounts. They've helped with that. And I love that they want to give small businesses some free stuff, free advice, free ideas. Just check them out, evokeccocom whether that is online. Well, of course, online with the .com, but then also on social media. They really, really love small businesses and they want to help you. Again, it's evokeccocom All right, back to this week's conversation. I just don't understand I mean, I feel like I know you two are probably like, we don't either, but (laughs) I feel like this country that we live in, that it's so advanced, it's so on top of things in, in different ways and forms that we would want to do something like that. But it, uh, I don't know. I mean, it it got politicized and twisted and it's just whatever you can fight against. And what we're here to say is this is an across the aisle issue that helps everyone from the businesses down to the oil rig workers. It doesn't matter. And um, and we all need it. It's just common sense. One of the things Amy, uh, you know, I think Amy's kind of this amazing futuristic thinker, right? So 15 years ago, when she started working on her dissertation and um, devoting herself to this, she's like, okay, paid leave is actually a foregone conclusion. We're going to get it at some point. And I think she's right. And when we're on the cusp of it now, yes, it could be taken away from us again, but we've reached that critical mass of support for it. And it's really ridiculous that we don't have it. So it's a foregone conclusion. Now we need to look ahead and say, how is this going to be implemented so that parents are truly supported and not subtly penalized when they actually use their leave? How do managers learn how to support employees and keep their team running while that person is out, right? There are so many more things once we get over the, the, you know, the egregious state of our current policy, there's so much work to do. Yeah. Still. And to, to Sue's point, we also have all of those states that do have paid leave. And then we have all of the employers who are, who are stepping up themselves without that federal policy to say, no, this is ridiculous. And of course, all of our employees need this and we're offering it, which is what you would have had, Jill, under your children, unless you lived in California. Got it. Okay. So that would have been a company level policy. And some companies, a lot of the companies we work with are just incredibly forward thinking and gracious. And they also are very practical in that they know that it costs a lot to replace employees and they want to hang on to the talent that they have. There's an engineering company in Portland who's one of our favorite clients, I think, and they're called PAE. And when they implemented their own parental leave policy, we said, okay, well, how are you going to pay for it? And their director of finance basically said, we're already paying for the employee. 
right? We don't need to budget extra dollars. We're paying them regardless of whether they're here or not. And that's such an important way to look at it. Yes, of course, that person's not in the office doing the work, but you know, you're, you have an office full of human beings. You have, um, you know, even if you're not in an office, we're, we're human beings. We're going to have to be out on occasion to take care of our personal lives. And I just thought their approach was really, really refreshing in how yeah. they looked at it. And so the nuance of that, just to, to hone that point, wasn't that they were paying them anyway. It was that they were budgeting for that paycheck anyway and not yeah. giving it to that employee felt like a reprimand, felt like it was taking it away and that the company would be benefiting off of that employee at that point. So it was really a um, an ethical and, and values-driven perspective, which I think is exactly right on and practical. Well, (laughs) then that's a question legally, though, is that because so I I was told when I was on maternity leave, like you can't or no, maybe they said email was fine, but they're like, you can't VPN to your station or do any kind of work because then is that because it would violate the FMLA mm-hmm. portion of it? Yep. You can't work while on leave if your company is covered under FMLA. But if I decided one day when I was on maternity leave and for this Portland company, I was like, you know what? I just I just want to have a little bit of normalcy in my life. And I just want to log in and just kind of organize my stuff. I'm going to VPN from the house and organize. That would be okay. Not necessarily. So okay. that's that that happens in this country on a per per person situation. In if you are in a company that isn't covered under FMLA, um, one of the things we talk about in the book and one of the ten touch points in there is something we call a keep in touch strategy. Um, and so that's part of your action planning that we would have you do ahead of your leave is really think through. Who are you as a person? Are you someone who will want some connection with work while you're on leave? Do you want to get updates? Do you want to be kept in the loop if there's a reorg or you get a new boss or, you know, what what are those levels of, of communication that feel comfortable to you? Some people want nothing to do with work while they're on leave. Others need that in order to feel like they still have a foot in that world that they have been connected to for so long. Um, and that helps with anxiety and re- entering after leave. It has a number of benefits. So um, we go through and and really help people think through that that consideration, that process. Sue, do you want to say anything more to that? Or Yeah. And of course, there's always going to be, you know, you want to make sure you're staying within the policies. But one of the biggest benefits of the keep in touch strategy, in addition to what Amy mentioned, is you get to keep building that rapport and get people at work invested in you and your child and that well-being of that family, right? It's like you're giving them a little glimpse inside about what it actually means to cover for you. Uh, So when you go back into the workforce, if you need to take a sick day because you got to take your baby to the doctor, um, people are more understanding. They're like, oh, yeah. Oh, poor little guy. You know, Mm -hmm. it it helps 
you be seen as a human person having a human experience mm-hmm. and keeps you in touch and building those relationships yeah. as well. And what Sue's talking about, that's the relational building piece that can happen that isn't working. It's just sending right. sending a message out to somebody and saying, hey, here's a picture of my guy, you know, or <laughs> my little person. Um, how's everything going? Like that's not working. That's checking in. And so mm-hmm. you can, you really figure out where that, that line is for you individually when you are creating your action plan. Do you touch base on what it's like to return to your workplace? And let's say things have changed and Mm -hmm. maybe you're not, I don't know, I wouldn't say as valuable or maybe you're just, it's, it's just different. Absolutely. So our the 10 touch points that we cover in the parental leave playbook are divided up into the three phases of leave. So you have preparing for leave, during leave, and then returning from leave. And that returning from leave phase that you're talking about, I personally think of as you know the most complex phase. You are integrating new identities. The workplace has changed and shifted as they all do while you've been away. If you've been away for any length of time, heck, sometimes you can be gone for a long weekend and you come back and things are different, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> so now you've been out for at least uh, you know several weeks and you're coming back in and you have to reintegrate how you have changed with how the workplace has changed. So one of our touch points in that phase is called adjustment, right? And it's giving you a lot of practical ways to look at how you can make adjustments uh, to the way you think about work, what you want your future career plan to look like, um, what you want your work schedule to look like right now, what considerations do you need to make this a successful transition? And what you planned before you left may not be what you want anymore, right? So you have to be willing to be flexible and make those adjustments and advocate for yourself and what you need as you reenter that workplace. So that's a huge consideration and a really, really important touch point. And I will say that it just because it's on the top of my mind and I just think sometimes maternity leave, parental leave is a negative thing or treated as a negative thing, not Mm -hmm. as embraced. And I am actually, as I'm talking to you guys, kind of fighting back some of this um, PTSD of my last time going back into the office. Mm -hmm. And it shouldn't be that way. I completely agree. Exactly. And you're not alone in that feeling. We spent a lot of time talking about that. And one of the things that we've found um, and is that what helps is to have a coach. I've When I created this coaching program 15 years ago, there was no market in the U.S. for it because we didn't have parental leave discussions <laughs> back then. So I had to work to get people to understand why this was important. And one of the ways I, um, while I was working on that, I was asked by uh, colleagues in, now colleagues in Australia to come there because in Australia, they're much further along in this than we are. And we piloted and rolled out the coaching program there. And what we found when we came back into the US, we were asked to come back in um, 
with our first big client in the U.S., which was Microsoft, coaching still was something that was just not in budgets. It wasn't being talked about. So we were asked to scale, figure out ways to scale the coaching program using technology. And so what that entailed was, you know, videos and webinars and live webinars and group things and lots of different ways to do it without that one-on-one connection that a coach offers. And what we found is, yes, that is helpful. It is a hundred times better than nothing at all. But what really matters is having that person walk with you through this transition and act as a mirror and a perspective holder so that when you're about to go back into the office, it is not with a PTSD type of situation. It is in with confidence, it's with clarity, it's having communicated all the things that have needed to be communicated. There's a coach with you who knows this process inside and out holding your hand through it and cheering you on. And so I just, I emphatically want to say the way that we do it and the way that we have done it for years is broken. It is wrong and there are better ways and we know what they are because we've been doing this so long and, and studying it. And that's one of the reasons we wrote the book the way we did. We wanted it to be like having a coach in your hand where you could open the book and feel like a coach was right there in front of you, right? Obviously, we can't like come out of the pages of the book and coach you specifically on your situation, but we've talked to enough parents and experienced enough of this and led people through it to understand a lot of what happens and a lot of how to deal with it. And you know, let's not overlook the fact that if you're the birthing parent, there's a ton of hormonal fluctuation happening as well. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and there's the identity upheaval you've experienced and you're missing your child and, you know, you're unsure of, you know, what you thought you wanted, if that's really what you wanted. So anything that is going to happen at work it can feel 10 times more impactful than it would have before you left because of what you've just been through. Uh, When I came back to work after my first child, in fact, I had a wonderful boss and she's like, my, my um, child was in daycare down the street. And she said, Hey, um, in the afternoons, if you want to bring your baby into one of the conference rooms downstairs and like review applications, cause I was a recruiter at the time while you're spending time with your baby and breastfeeding, you're welcome to do that. <sighs> and I was like, hallelujah, you're amazing. <laughs> yeah. And then I came in two days later and they're like, Hey, you're moving upstairs to a different team. Cause we're doing a big software implementation. <laughs> right. So this wonderful boss that I had was yanked away from me and I had to really consciously make sure that I was not making that mean something that it didn't mean. Organizations have changes and they have to, you know, uh, reconfigure teams all of the time. And so I just made sure to coach myself in that situation of this is not a punishment. This is because all of my work was taken care of and covered. And now they have this like amazing person who they know they can do something and they have this need on the software implementation. So they're sending me up there, right? Like a lot of it is your frame. Of course, there are systemic issues. And of course, there are toxic workplaces. And of course, there are managers that just don't get it. But the tone that you bring to it can have an impact and make a positive difference. You know, somebody said something to me yesterday, and I wrote it down to think critically, not critical. Yes. Yeah. And so I am now 
trying to do that for sure. And that's immediately what I thought of when you were talking about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's great. all right. Well, one thing that we have not addressed is the dad. I have seen companies now embrace dads a little bit more and giving them some time off. And mm-hmm. I just, oh gosh, it's so important. It is so, so important that these guys that they are part of this and that they are part of this leave. Absolutely. (laughs) You can't see us, but I know, and I can't see Sue, but I know we're just nodding our heads. (laughs) Yep. Yes. Yes. It's, it's not just a, a statement of, of, like, yeah, dads should be involved. Yeah, that's a good idea. What we know is that when dads are involved equally, um, or I, I shouldn't say equally, with equity, meaning with fairness and what that couple, if it is a two, um, you know, if there is a couple, a lot of people are single parents, there may be two dads, there may be two moms, but if it is a, a traditional heterosexual couple, then there is um, this pressure on dads to be the breadwinner. You know, we still have the breadwinner, <laughs> the homemaker ideals that are outdated and wrong, right? Like they're, yeah. just, they're just wrong. So we know that when dads take equal leave as moms, with every month that they take, mom's pay in a company goes up 7%. Um, that's a real impact on the gender pay gap that we see when there's leave. And what the reason that happens is because we have unconscious bias towards those moms like, oh, well, if we hire the mom, they might leave. They might not come back from having a child. Um, you know, we're not going to put her on that higher assignment. Who knows? She's like, she's right at that age where she might be having a baby someday. Who knows? Um, but when we have equal expectations of fathers, then it just becomes the way things are done. Any, ah, right? <laughs> I didn't know where you were going with that. I was like, Wait, I don't understand, but now, okay. Yeah, it just becomes the way it's done. Everybody might go on leave when they become a parent or they have to have a caregiving leave to care for a sick loved one um, and they're treated equally. It's not one or the other anymore. It's not gender-based decision-making. And also has uh, amazingly, overwhelmingly positive downstream impacts for that family yes. as well in terms of, um, you know, uh, new moms are medicated less, right? Less likely to be on medication for a mood disorder if their partner has been home with them. Um, better health outcomes for the child, better uh, outcomes of that couple being able to stay together years and years down the line. There are so many valuable pro-social impacts of dads getting leave as well. And the other thing that I feel is recent, and I don't mean recent, like last month. I mean, I don't know, you both probably know better than me, but within the last five to 10 years, I think is the adoption situation Mm -hmm. where not only is it if you are adopting from the United States or outside of the United States, that there is time for you to bond with that child. Now, I believe there's a lot of work that still needs to be done with that, but we also have a lot of work that still needs to be done with, you know, this parental leave. But I like that I'm seeing that be a topic now, too. Yeah, the movement 
um, in the states that and in mo- many of the companies that have policies is that any one with a legal or relational uh, caregiving responsibility would be covered under leave. So, but that that is, as to your point, an emerging conversation. It, it it's a it's the goal, right? That is how yeah. it should be. Any way you form your family, um, or or you know, there's a lot of what's called kinship caregiving happening now too. So you may a grandma may be the parenting the grandchildren or things like that. So um, that gets taken into a, into consideration as well. Yeah, I'm. I think that is definitely where we're headed. And when we get um, a, a policy across the whole country that is standardized, that will be a, a really big bonus because, unfortunately, some companies with really good intentions were trying to control costs, and so they defined their leave very, very narrowly. Right, mm. like birth mothers get this, yes, uh, dads get that, and then when they were smart enough not to do it by gender, they did well primary caregiving parent versus non-primary. And that causes all kinds of problems. Um, And of course, the non-birthing parent, if you're adopting, you're both non-birthing parents. So you only get two weeks when they meant it for dads. And it was just a mess because there was no standardization and everyone was sort of like making it up as they went along. Well, and I've also seen that if you adopt outside of the U.S., it's this amount of time and this amount of, I know you some companies will give, um, I don't know what you call it, but like a, a, I don't, it wouldn't be a grant, but some sort of monetary mm-hmm. whatever. But then it's different if you're in the United States. It's just like, oh my gosh, let's just yes. make it more confusing. And that's exactly it. We just need a stand. So our goal is to just make <laughs> this standardized. These are the, these are the, our touch points are the places where any kind of interaction has an oversized impact on that experience. Everything we do is from teaching the employer and the employee the same thing. So each touch point we're talking in the book, we're talking to the parents directly, but in our work broadly, we are doing both at the same time. So if we're talking to the new parent about how they make their announcement, which is the first touch point, we're also training the manager, training the HR on how to respond to that announcement. So they aren't setting the tone negatively on their end from that. Um, And sort of once everyone has a common language and a common process, we will finally get somewhere. And and I think what I want to make clear to your listeners is there's a difference between policy, which is some of what we've been talking about and covers some people, and we're working towards that being standardized. But the practice is, is somewhere you can focus even without a federal or a state-level policy. There's a lot of companies that have company-level policies or company-level practice, and that is... Um, if it's done well, can completely transform that experience and that return of that new parent into the workforce. Well, it's not a surprise when I say this uh, to anyone that listens all the time that had this book been around when I was on uh, either on maternity leave, getting ready as soon as I got pregnant, I would have been reading it because I, I like to do that research. I like to be prepared and I, gosh, man, I just, it, 
it is so great to have something like this to be in the hands of those. Like you said, too, Sue, when you were talking about the emotional aspect of it and the hormones, I mean, that's a whole nother thing. So there are just so many different factors that we don't always consider. And maybe we think that we don't have the option. So I'm super, super excited to share this book with others. Can you both, as we wrap up, um, talk again about the book, where you can find it, and then where they can find you both and any other information you want the listener to know? Sure, absolutely. So the book is called The Parental Leave Playbook. And as we mentioned, it's completely nuts, but it is the only book available that will help you have with an evidence-based approach to navigate your parental leave. So nuts. Um, <laughs> you can buy it anywhere books are sold, but if you want to just learn more about the book, you can go to CPL for Center for Parental Leave cplleadership.com forward slash book. When you buy the book, uh, there was a lot of cool tools that we offer uh, historically to our clients that we decided to give to the people who buy the book as well. So inside the book, there are links that you can go to where you can access action planning tools, um, worksheets, checklists, uh, workbooks, anything that you can possibly think of, because we've probably thought of more of it, uh, <laughs> uh, that will help you plan your leave. So we're really excited to offer, uh, to offer that. Um, Amy, anything else? Um, I think the one thing I, I would like to just have any listeners that are going through this themselves or supporting someone who is, is this book, while it's written for the new parent, is equally important for any managers, HR leadership, friends, parent, grandparents to think through because you can act as a coach to them as well. Um, and also for the company side of it with HR and leadership, it gives you a window into that employee experience. And in a way that if you haven't been through this transition in this time in our country, you can't understand. And so um, it's just a, a wise thing to do. And then to any parents going through it, I would say, please join the movement to improve this, do, do, the, do that work. And also know you're not alone. If you have any um, struggles around this, reach out. If you, one of the things we do is uh, we have a partner organization called Postpartum Support International. And we um, are the first organization to offer a perinatal mental health screen in the workplace. And the reason we do that is to that point I made earlier, about 25% of people going back to work within two weeks of giving birth. So all of those people, moms and dads, one in five moms has a perinatal mood or anxiety disorder and one in 10 dads do. And so often those dads are overlooked. So if we're getting them in the workplace, that's where they are. We can help um, get support to those who need it so that that doesn't spiral out and they f are forced out of the workforce for a perinatal mental health concern that could have been addressed and taken care of. Um, so I think that's all I want to say. You're not alone. Reach out. There's help. Um, and don't feel like you have to reinvent the wheel when it's, we know what works. <laughs> <laughs> right. You've done all the research for us. <laughs> you did all the hard work. Thank goodness. Well, I will have all the information too and links on the show notes at jilldevine.com. I am so grateful for the work that 
you guys are doing for the messages that you're putting out there. And yeah, let's start making some changes. Well, I just have to say to your point, like a lot of people think this doesn't apply to them, so they don't buy the book, but buy it anyway and give it to somebody who it does make sense for. Give it to your library, put it out there. Books don't make money. I'm not saying that because <laughs> we, we're going to make much money off this book. I'm saying it because that's how we do two things. We, we create the common language and structure and expectations. And also because we are then telling publishers and the people who are giving the information that we want to hear about this. Well, I thank you both so much. And yeah, let's get let's get the movement going and join the movement. Sue, Amy, thank you for your time. Thank you so much for having us and help us get the word out, Joe. Thank you very much. And before we wrap things up, I love supporting small businesses. I love giving those shout outs as much as I possibly can. And I would love to just go ahead and showcase Evoke Creative one more time for you. This is one of the sponsors of the podcast. And if you are a small business and you are looking for some help in web design, if you are looking for some help in a digital marketing strategy, all of it can be accomplished by visiting evokecco.com. The ladies behind Evoke, they absolutely love what they do. They absolutely love helping small businesses and they would love to help you. They have helped me tremendously and I am just so thankful for them. So check them out, evokecco.com. You can also follow them on social media, evokecco, and just interact with them. They love hearing from others. And listen, maybe you don't have it in your budget right now. That's okay. You can talk to them for free just to kind of get some ideas and then maybe set it aside for a little bit and then come back to them. They totally understand because they get what it's like to be a small business. So please check out my friends at evokecco.com. 